Hi, my name is Ali Marwani. I'm the founder of MenuSpring, and you're listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy podcast. Hi, welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. It's me, your host, I'm Paul Kemp, and this is the podcast that helps you, you either as an indie app developer, a business owner, anyone who's interested in the app world. What we do is a very simple formula. We go out, we find interesting guests, people that can help inspire us, um, people that are doing fantastic journeys, startup founders, New York Times, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs, anyone who helps our businesses and us as uh, some people involved in the app world. So Apps to Tribe, welcome to another episode. I've got a great episode lined up this uh, t- this week, uh, th- today. He uh, is um, calling us on Skype. His name is Bobby Valentine, and he is the CEO and founder of uh, FitRays. Bobby, it's a warm welcome to you on the App Guy podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, I know in the pre-chat you said you've got a lot of interesting stories on how you've changed the name um, to FitRays. Perhaps you can give us, in a few minutes, uh, just the, the background to FitRays and to you and uh, what, what it is that you actually do. Yeah, sure. No problem. First of all, my background, I, was, um, I spent four years in the corporate world um, working for Equifax and realized that that really wasn't something that suited me. And my family has had a retail store in a tourist area for several years. And so I decided to leave the corporate world and come back and help my family with their um, business there. And um, so while I was working there with the family, I started a marketing consulting firm. And through that marketing consulting practice, I did some jobs on Elance. And that is how I met my current business partner in FitRays, and that's Tom Vinkler. And he and I met um, back in 2011, I believe, when I was doing a marketing project for him. And what's interesting is he's in Hungary and I'm in Georgia, um, about an hour and a half north of Atlanta. And so we've started this whole business, this company through Skype and email. So we've met face to face one time before we went into a business incubator in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's kind of where the FitRays story starts. Um, Tom and I started a company called Socialize, and what that was is Tom, after, about a year after our marketing project finished, um, he contacted me and said, hey, I've got this great idea for an app. I know we both like to run, but we hate running on treadmills. So what if we create an iPhone app that lets people run in real-time races against each other on the treadmill? And I thought, you know what? Hey, that's a cool idea. Let's see what we can do with it. So we ran with it. And while we were developing that, we realized that the current technology we were doing back then um, with the iPhone didn't allow for certain biometric information. And so it was impossible to do the real-time running races um, on the iPhone app with the app with the treadmill. And so we've ran, I don't know how many miles trying to test this and make sure it worked, but that didn't work. So, you know, it was kind of that trial and error thing. You know, we just tested it, didn't work. So we moved on to the GPS feature. And so what that did, that works. Um, what that did is it let people log in from any location around the world and they could run real time against each other. 
Um, the only thing is, is it didn't incorporate, you know, things like elevation, um, heat, humidity, things like that. But it was real cool. I could sit out. I could start right here at my front door and he could start at his front door in Hungary and we could go out and we could race each other for 5K and do that in real time. And so it was real fun. Uh, lots of fun. And then we realized we have this great technology, this great app. Let's do something good with it. So we decided to let charity organizations use it for their 5Ks and 10Ks and their fund runs that they use for fundraising purposes. And so that's kind of how the business behind the app got started. Um, a lot of people, you know, go out and they create an app, but there's really no business model behind it. And so what we wanted to do is we wanted to be a business with an app, not just an app business. And so we created these uh, nonprofit charity races, and that's how we got the attention of RevTech Labs in um, Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a business incubator program. And we got accepted into that program back in January of this year. And the first day of the program, I think, was March 10th. And that was the first time that uh, Tom and I had gotten together and we had another person that we brought on board named Peter, who's from the Netherlands. And so this international team all got together for the first time face to face um, at RevTech Labs in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we went into that, that process, that program as social size. And the first day in that program, in our onboarding meeting, they said, we hate your name. And we were like, oh, my goodness, what a way to start. You know, you've got all these, you've got investors in there, you have developers in there, mentors, everybody in there. And the first thing they say is, we hate your name. And so we didn't really know. I mean, that just kind of floored us. But that was a learning experience for us because we realized it was very hard to spell. It was hard to say, hard to spell. And so when people were trying to send us emails, a lot of times it just never went through. And so that's where the process of coming up with a new name started. And after hours and hours of brainstorming sessions and um, you know talking to people and figuring out, okay, exactly what we want to do with this new platform – uh, we came up with the name Fit Race. And, you know, it's also kind of funny because you find a great name and then the domain is taken. And so I don't know how many times that happened, but that's one of those kind of cool things about now. You know, you really have to be creative about choosing the name for your company or your app. Yeah, what a wonderful story, first of all. And there's loads to pick up on here, Bobby. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, first of all, pick up on the fact that you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, somewhere that's close to my heart. I uh, spent uh, a summer there on a kid's camp, and uh, it's a beautiful location. What's it like to work from Charlotte? Well, it was great. Charlotte is – I'm actually in Georgia. but We're based in Georgia. Oh, you went and to the incubator so, um, at Charlotte. Right. The incubator was in Charlotte, and uh, Dan Roselli is an entrepreneur in Charlotte, and he bought a building called um, Packard Place. And what that was is one of the first Packard automobile dealerships in the country. And so he turned this Packard automobile dealership, it's um, I think five stories now, and it was an old parking garage. He turned this into an entrepreneurship center. And they have meetings there almost every afternoon and evening for innovation, investors, startup culture. It's a place where people from anywhere can come and work. Um, they have a little coffee bar type thing there. Um, so it's a really great place for connection and meeting people and really just uh, the hub of entrepreneurialism in um, 
Charlotte. And he's really building a great program there. We were the third class that came out of RevTech. And because of the um, new SEC rules changes, this class was actually part of an index fund. And so people in Charlotte were able to invest in the nine companies that were in this program as an index fund or kind of like a mutual fund, so to speak, you know, so they could get their feet wet in angel investing um, with these pre-cleared, basically, um, companies that were getting great mentoring. Um, they were getting great advice and they were getting great um, place, a great place to work for three months. Bobby, that's great because uh, our previous guest, uh, the founder of iGen Apps, was actually telling us a little bit about index funds, and he was part of a hundred and eighty thousand dollar initial uh, index fund as well. And I wasn't too sure what that meant, but it seems to me that uh, it, because of the uh, the rule changes, that uh, angel investors can actually pool their resources and 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 spread right. their bets across. Uh, and so it's it's equally split. Then is it among the nine? Uh, right, it is. Companies. iGen Apps was actually one of the companies in our program. Oh, how what a coincidence! So, there you yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So yeah, and what it what it is is it lets people. I don't know. Are you familiar with Angel List? Yes, I am. Yes. Yes. So all the companies put profiles up on Angel List, and Angel List actually ran the index fund. So um, people, the investors could pull as little as twenty five hundred dollars, I think, um, into the fund. And it does get distributed equally across all of the organizations in there. And also, I just want to appeal to uh, the listeners, the apps to try now, in, in that some of us do get disheartened because we're not based in Silicon Valley or New York. And, you know, what's the wonderful thing about your story is that, because uh, I've been to Charlotte, Charlotte, you know, wouldn't be my the place where I automatically would think of entrepreneurialism and uh, investing index funds, incubators. But, you know, if Charlotte is getting these wonderful um, incubators going, then, you know, all around the world, no matter where the location is, uh, there are these hubs for entrepreneurs to hang out. So we don't all have to flock to Google and Silicon Valley and New York and, you know, the big, the big sort of well-known places that we could just look uh, locally to, uh, where you know the entrepreneur stuff is happening is that fair i i think it is and i think a, another great thing about it um is that you know you're you're already dealing in a noisy space you know there's already i mean millions of ideas out there with people trying to get funded and when you're in silicon valley sure there are more investors out there and they might be a little more willing to take a risk but you're also competing against a whole broader range of other companies trying to get that funding. When you're in a smaller market like Charlotte, um, the investors may not be quite as risky in what they do. So you have to have even a more compelling case for them to invest in you. But that's good for your business to have that better business case um, because it does show that you, you, you have a model, you have some traction, and you're able to achieve what the investors want and what you want for your company. So I think dealing with a smaller market is in a lot of cases easier than dealing with Silicon Valley. Yeah, I think so as well. And it just obviously gives us hope that, you know, the fact that we, we can work from anywhere, which is the reason I set this podcast up, is that, you know, to, to prove to people that you don't have to be located in San Francisco. <laughs> so uh, um, now the other thing which I want to pick up on, I think it's going to be so helpful, is that many of us are solopreneurs working on our own. And we do look towards, um, I guess, uh, finding other partners, other joint venture partners or co-founders. Could you talk us through that experience of how you actually met Tom in Hungary? 
and through Elance and, and, and how actually that sort of came about? Because that, that could help us in, in terms of looking for our co-founders. Right. Um, well, what I was doing at the time was just simple little marketing projects. You know, I was helping people, you know, identify their target market, um, develop web copy, th- things like that. And Tom had a website that he needed some help with. And so he had an RFP on the Elance website and I applied for it, uh, went through his interview process because he's kind of an HR manager type person. Um, he has a psychology background and things like that. And so through that interview process, we had good um, conversation and he hired me for that gig. And we finished that gig in probably, you know, a month or six weeks, something like that. And I didn't hear from him for about a year after that. And then um, just out of the blue, I get an email from him that he has this idea for the real-time races app from the treadmill. And, you know, we just went back and forth with a few emails. And I think three days later, we formed an LLC together and we're rocking and rolling, ready to go. And so it kind of you never know who that partner or that co-founder is going to be. Um, it, it could be anybody you've worked with in the past. It could be a schoolmate. You know, it could be anybody. And so you just have to keep your eyes open, keep your ears open. And with every relationship that you develop, make sure it's a positive one. Um, don't burn your bridges. That That is wonderful advice. And I'm thinking now what I'm learning is that, yeah, we just do good work, get our name out there, get our reputation out there. And then, uh, you know, it's really uh, a possibility that we do actually stumble across a co-founder and start a company together. And, you know, Elance, uh, many of us do write that off because we believe that uh, it's it's a marketplace that is, uh, I, I guess, full of uh, indie app developers who are in low cost, low cost lo- locations and it's hard to compete. And uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, noise on there. But then that's a wonderful story coming from Elance, the fact that you actually struck up that relationship initially from there, from work. And it went on to, uh, you know, come sort of come to FitRaise. Uh, so, okay, so you've started the company and uh, we're, we're now, um, let's talk about the the launch because that's always like, just getting you said it was a noisy marketplace getting heard is one of our biggest challenges as app developers uh, do you have any tips for uh, just kind of how to get out there and how to build an audience you know we're, we're still trying to figure that out um with our with social size it was difficult um i'm thinking now it was in hindsight it was difficult because the name was so tough you know it's one of those lessons that we learned in that um, you have to make your name memorable, but you have to also make sure that people understand it and see it and can type it into a browser if they need to. Um, and it also has to be intuitive. But the other thing we learned with Social Size, and it wasn't a very successful launch because when you're dealing with real time racing, like we were dealing with, you have to have massive amounts of people on there. And in order to do that, you have to have lots of money. We're finding out because you have to do the launch campaigns. You, you, there's no way around it, I don't think, right now, where you have you can't get away with not doing paid advertisement at some point. Um, I think that's a very important aspect of things, and we didn't have the money to do that in the right way with social size, and so we couldn't build that traction early on to where when one person logged on, there was somebody else for them to race, and so it made the app the user experience not a pleasant one. And so as we added the charity races and the charity racing features, that helps us because what that does is it lets people 
that are passionate about an organization support that organization and share it with more people. And it also lets those organizations that we partner with push it out to more people than we could do on our own. And so, you know, we only have a few, a couple thousand followers on our Twitter account. But if you partner with somebody, um, whether it's a charity, another business, an organization of some kind that has five or 10,000 people, and those people are passionate about that organization and you're helping that organization in some way, then that's a great way to get users on your app. And so that's part of, that's going to be a big part of our relaunch with FitRaise. We haven't launched FitRaise yet. We're still reviewing it, testing it, getting those things finished with that and developing the launch plan. But that's what we're doing. We're partnering with these larger organizations and doing good things for them, showing our value to them, and then they can show our value to their supporters. That's just fascinating because it just comes on the back of uh, an interview with the uh, co-author of a book called Traction which is all about uh, literally getting um, traction to your app. And, uh, you know, what would be great is, did you try any advertising that didn't work for you? Because we always like to avoid avoid advertising, paid advertising, uh, advertising especially, that doesn't work. Did you, did you actually try any paid advertising that just failed uh-huh. on you? We tried some paid advertising for some of our beta test charity races, and it, it was moderately successful. You know, it was um, Facebook ads. And so the key with the Facebook ads is you need to um, basically have a page set, have your Facebook page set up to accept exactly what they're looking for. And you can't really do a broad based, you know, spray and pray kind of um, situation there. You have to be really focused and really targeted to make it work. And we weren't really good at that at the time. We've learned, we've learned a lot of lessons. I feel like I have an MBA now, not only in marketing from Georgia State University, but also in app launch failure, you know, from social size. You know, I've learned a lot of lessons, a lot of what not to do and a lot of what can be done better. And we're going to apply those things in FitRays. It's a more targeted approach. It's um, really specifying out not only your target market, but your value proposition to that target market so that those people know specifically exactly what you're going to do for them. Yeah, because uh, I've been I've been experimenting a little bit with Facebook as well. Uh, it's it's worked it's worked for me in the past. It's not worked for me. And uh, what I've learned, minor experience, is that uh, the ads on the right hand side, those ads that are generic sort of uh, ads, don't seem to be particularly good at attracting any clicks. Uh, but the newsfeed ads, especially the newsfeed within mobile, seems to be a lot better. But it has to go through something that's compelling. So at the moment, right. I, I'm getting a reasonable good conversion on impressions for giveaways, which, uh, you know, people are probably a little bit more excited about something for free, you know, like a contest. Uh, and, and I guess downloading um, from a Facebook ad on your timeline is a, is a pretty good way of advertising uh, for app downloads. It, it is. We, we did some of the app download ads. And but what you have to try and figure out is realize your cost of acquisition. You know, if you're paying two fifty or three dollars for a ninety nine cent app download, or a customer that's not going to just download it and forget it, then it's a waste of money. You know, you really have to look at your analytics. You have to look at um, who your target is, and are they going to provide value to your organization? Because one of the other things that this show has been talking about a lot, Bobby, is the some of the big ads, the, the, sorry, the big apps that, you know, obviously you're competing with the, the, the big brands like Nike Plus running. 
And, you know, just initially when you said you could race against other people in real time, that's so compelling, so much more than, you know, what I use, which is the Nike running app, which uh, it, it's kind of lame because it doesn't actually allow you to run and race in real time. Uh, it just records your your time and, and uh, allows you to share that with friends and stuff. But uh, do, do you find that it's, it, it, you are able to compete with the bigger players because you're you're actually offering a unique selling point on your app. What you do in any market, you have to be different and better than the competition. And when we thought the real-time running races was a great idea and that it, once people caught on to it, um, they would maybe not ditch their Nikes, but we could incorporate the, through APIs the Run Keepers, the Nikes, and some of those other really popular fitness apps. And we would have done that had we received gotten the traction that we were looking for. There's been, um, I think, four or five other apps that have tried this real-time running races thing, and none of them have succeeded. And I think it is all because none of them have been able to reach that tipping point because they run out of energy, they run out of money, they uh, just can't get that 20,000, 50,000 users on board to where every day, um, four or five times a day, there are more than 10 or 20 people involved in each event. And so that's the challenging thing when you're a newcomer is not only trying to break through the Nike and the RunKeeper and those types of um, large, uh, very successful apps, but just getting through that noise to get people to try you and then getting enough people to try you so that it becomes a good user experience. See, it's almost like a community. A community is no good with one person. And so you have to build community and none of the um, other apps have been able to do that as well. And so what we're doing now with FitRays is we're focusing, we're changing our target market. We're not focusing on everyday people that run. We're focusing on people that want to do good things for great causes and raise money for these great causes through fitness activities, whether it's a walk after dinner that's not very intense, whether it's going out and running a half marathon, or whether it's cycling. Um, we want to hit all of those people, but we want to do the people that want to do good things for great causes. And so that's where our core focus is, and that's how we're going to be different than these other um, applications. Bobby, what I love is the themes that I've learned in this podcast and what my apps to tribe are learning every time we listen to, you know, these wonderful startup founders like yourself. And clearly the the, the big theme throughout all the interviews with startup founders is we, you have to pivot. Uh, you have to figure out what is the core essence of the, the app, uh, where it's going to be, uh, have the most chance of success and then pivot completely to, to focus on that. And we've We've interviewed lots of different founders who have, have done that. And, and in some cases, they've actually thrown away the entire code base of the last app and started again and completely pivoted. Uh, but it must be it must be hard to do when you, uh, I know that's one of the things we've learned, it's, it's quite hard to pivot when you've you become quite attached to, you know, your initial kind of uh, vision. It is. It's very difficult. I mean, it's it's your baby almost. I mean, you spend hours and hours a day for weeks, months, or years on something, and then you realize, well, this isn't going to work. Um, it's better to realize that early, but realizing it at any point is good. And one thing we learned in the incubator program is that we have to have focus when you're starting out. Um, you, you can't, we, when we went into that incubator program, we had, I think, 12 different ideas 
um, ranging from wellness program, corporate wellness programs to uh, Groupon-type advertising model based on fitness activities. And so when with all those ideas, yeah, we could incorporate those into one thing, and it would be probably successful. But without that focus on one core capability, um, you're really not going to succeed. And in order to find that core capability, you're going to have to at some point change. And where I saw a lot of people uh, make mistakes is they don't listen. They don't listen to their customers. They don't listen to their co-founders. They don't listen to their mentors. They don't listen to their moms sometimes. You know, um, when people see something that's wrong with a product, um, a lot of people are so tied in and so close to what they're doing that they can't escape it. Um, they can't step back and say, okay, we need to change. And pivoting is an important, very important aspect of any startup, whether it's an app or a um, hardware, software, whatever it is, you're going to have to pivot. That first idea, 98% of the time, I don't think is going to work. Um, it's not going to work for either the market size or it's not going to work for some technical capability or it's just flat not going to work. And so pivoting is very important. And it's something that um, you're just going to have to do at some point. I think all entrepreneurs are going to have to do that. And you can't be so tied into what you're doing that um, you're afraid to. And Bobby, that's great because uh, what I'm very proud of with this podcast is I know that I've got uh, evidence that app developers are changing because of listening to this podcast. And one of them is about listening. And uh, some of the app developers I've spoken to have actually incorporated uh, Q and A's within their app just to kind of get feedback from the uh, users to try and uh, understand from a user's perspective, uh, you know what are, what they're using it for, how they're using it, the feedback, you know the improvements, and and listening is is clearly something I've learned is is phenomenally important, and uh, you know I, I guess you've just reiterated that in, in what you've said, um, so. Bobby, the other thing we do on this uh, show is that we love to learn about new apps and, you know, you're involved in the app world. Uh, do you carry a smartphone yourself? Do you, do you, would you be able to recommend one or two apps you think we may not have heard of? Yeah, I, I use it. I have an iPhone 5S and what I use and it helps me every day, we use Asana as our project management type software. Um, it lets Tom and I know exactly what each other's working on. We have our developer team in, plugged into that so we know what they're working on. Whenever something changes, whenever there's something to be talked about or discussed, we can just log into the Asana app either on the computer or on the iPhone and take care of business right then and there. Um, I find that it's a little bit more helpful than Evernote. It's a lot easier for me to use personally, um, but it's something that's really helped us organize things and keep things on, on track. Wonderful. That's Asana. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a really good tool because uh, anything that helps us manage our, uh, uh, you know, like, because uh, because all a lot of us are working in remote teams, you know, and uh, and I guess yours is very remote with uh, Hungary and the Netherlands and uh, Georgia. So uh, it is. You can't get more remote than that. <laughs> right. No, in our developer teams in Oklahoma. So. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, the other thing we like to do is you, you are speaking with a bunch of developers who uh, potentially could build something. Do you have any app ideas that you have thought about, you know, as you're running, uh, but you just haven't had the focus or time to bring to the market you could share with us? Um, if you haven't, then we, we've got another way of fleshing out app ideas. 
Um, I don't really have any specific running apps. I mean, there's so many out there. My wife is a teacher, and she and I talk all the time about various apps that can help teachers in the classroom, you know, from behavior management um, to communication with parents and things like that. So I think the edutech industry is ready to explode with um, apps for, made specifically for teachers to help them do their day-to-day jobs. Yeah, that's great. Actually, you're right there. The edutech, that's the first time I've heard that phrase, edutech, I guess education and technology. And uh, something involved in, I guess, an app that would be a little bit like your FitRays, but with education. So you can imagine running, um, uh, I guess, a school association and maybe uh, you need to connect in real time somehow um, uh, for homework or something like that. Uh, there you go. Homework. Homework. Right. Yeah. Ho- homework tutoring. Yeah. That, that's all she needs is to have t- students be able to contact her 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> what about, um, okay, what about this one then? Because we love coming up with app ideas and, uh, you know, you've obviously got a wonderful idea there with FitRays and maybe we could take uh, components of that and, and apply it to education so that you could, uh, you could, have ch- uh, tutor no sorry kids logging in at the same time and uh, and doing homework together uh, somehow with kind of an app uh, anyway i'm just uh, i'm not I'm pulling at strings here but uh, it, it maybe <laughs> something in, in involved in that because uh, i mean let's just take that that idea so at the end of the day what we're doing is we're replacing the physical world with the virtual world aren't we um, because you know 20 years ago you'd go for a run with a friend and compete with a friend now we can compete with anyone who's got an app, uh, your app, FitRays, and, and is running anywhere in the world. Um, I'm sure that there must be other things that we can do other than just running that would enable us to cooperate in real time. Yeah, I think there, there are plenty of opportunities. And like what we've done is with FitRays is we've eliminated the need for charity organizations to have that 5K fun run on Saturday morning in the park. You know, and that has benefits not only for the individuals that want to participate but couldn't be there at that specific time, but it also has environmental benefits too because, you know, you're not having all of the paper cups. You don't have all of the porta potties that have to be dealt with and disposed of. You're eliminating all kinds of waste and consumption by doing things at people's own locations on their own time. And if we can do that on a broader spectrum, um, to let people, you know, eliminate some of the waste in their lives, you know, wh- whether it's a, for a large conference or something like that, then, you know, we're making an impact not only on those people's lives, but also on the environment and other sustainability issues as well. And so I think that's another way that apps and the current technology and the future technology can help us connect, but not in the same physical space. But that being said, there is still an importance for people's physical connections. We don't want to be locked in our own rabbit holes all the time. So I know we're going to we have to finish up soon. We're getting towards the end of the podcast, but I just want to pick up on on this. Uh, maybe I've I, I just need to understand a, a little bit more, I guess, the FitRays idea because I know charities one of their biggest uh, events uh, during the year is a fun run. Uh, in the UK, we have. Uh, a load of these fun runs happening uh, every week, uh, usually Saturday or Sunday, and uh, they have a mix of like a 5K, 10K, and a marathon. Are you saying that your app will enable a charity to have a fun run on a specific day, 
but the location is irrelevant. It's just the time that the run is taking place. And, and as long as everyone has the app that they can log in and uh, actually uh, participate in the fun run. Is, is that right? It's actually a little bit more than that because what we can do is we create a virtual event for that charity organization. And so people sign up for that event, then they can collect pledges on our platform for every mile that they run during a multi-day period. So we're not just limiting it to one day. Um, We can do a two week, a three week or a month long event where people can get 50 cents up to $5 a mile that they run, walk or cycle during that event period. And then donors can put in a minimum donation so that if the person that they're supporting for that organization or that event um, falls ill or can't run or the weather's terrible, then at least a little bit of money goes to that charity. And we also protect the donors by letting them put in a maximum donation amount so that if that person sees, oh, my goodness, I'm earning $200 for every mile I run for the Cancer Foundation, then they're going to go out and run all kinds of miles and donors might not be expecting that. So we protect them by letting them set a maximum limit. So it, our platform can be used both before an event, during an event, and after an event to let charity organizations engage with their supporters. They can use it for pre-event challenges. So people that in the three weeks leading up to their 5K on a Saturday morning, those people that earn the most money might get a spe- special badge or access to a certain tent or something on the event day. And we can use it after the event so that people can use all of the momentum that they gained during the event, all that energy that they got in support of that organization to go out and raise even more money for it. So that's really our driving force is to raise more money for great causes through people's fitness activities. Well, Bobby, this is huge. And I'm so glad that we got you now because I really do believe that your app is going to be a phenomenal hit. I mean, just the way you've explained it there, uh, especially from what I can see, uh, just the ability to you know, take a charity and help them with, uh, I mean, not just have a one launch event, but have a, a launch event over a month. And uh, obviously running is a big component of that. Huge, absolutely huge. What a wonderful idea. And I, I feel that you're you're doing this as well, not, not purely just for the sake of, uh, I guess, obviously growing a business, but also, I mean, what a wonderful way of giving back as well. So it's just, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant concept and I know it's going to do well. Well, thank you very much. We're very excited about it. We're looking to launch with our first few events, hopefully in August is what we're looking for. That's where the timeline is leading us right now. And so once we get those events and then the the challenge we've had, you know, and this is the way every business is, is the chicken and the egg challenge. You know, you have customers that they think it's a great idea, but they want to see the data. And so before they'll sign on, they have to see the data and that it works and that it's successful. And so that's where we are now is building that data, building the compelling case studies so that we can get these customers later on down the road. And we're very excited about it. Um, we're looking forward to great things in the future. Well, Bobby, your your show goes live uh, at the beginning of September. So I, uh, you, you would have launched by then. And I want the entire Appster Tribe listening to go and check out your app right now, uh, FitRaise. And uh, uh, what's the best way of actually uh, getting in touch with you, Bobby, and uh, reaching out to you? What's the, what's the best way? Um, the best way is probably through email, bobby at fitraise.com. Or we're on Twitter at FitRaise. Okay, and uh, as, as as soon as I get the opportunity, I'm going to be giving a five star review. I'm going to be uh, using the app as well because uh, I'm a runner. I love uh, I love running apps, and uh, 
Uh, I love the idea of that as well. So, uh, but, but Bobby, it's just a, been a wonderful journey taking you, uh, talking to you, uh, going through your journey, uh, f- fully inspired with all the, the you know, the the, reason, the fact that you set up with um, uh, a guy called Tom in Hungary, and then now you've got a Dutch guy on as well, and a completely remote team from Georgia. It, just wonderful um, talking through your journey with you. Thanks so much for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thank you. I've enjoyed it too. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.